uh, Luke 15. A few of you were around in 2013. I actually preached Luke 15 back in 2013. I think it was in my living room, most likely. I don't know how many sermons it ended up being. I have taken portion of those sermons and turned them into lectures. Andrew heard the lectures, I think, recently. But in order to get Luke uh, 15, uh, to understand it, I think, at least for me, it is good to, to present an overview of the whole and then dive into the parts. So that's what I want to do right now when I give you an overview of the whole. We looked at the first three verses because that's like the introduction to the chapter. And then next Lord's Day, we'll look at verses four through seven. Um, but before that, I want to look at verses 4 through 32. Now, some of you are going, we're going to be here a while if we're going to look at verses 4. This is a brief overview. Notice with me the fact that the Pharisees and scribes had problems with what Jesus was doing with sinners, right? That was pretty clear in the, more, in the first uh, sermon. The Pharisees and scribes have problems with what Jesus was doing, had problems with what Jesus was doing with sinners. It's very important to understand this parable uh, through kind of that lens. They had a problem with what Jesus was doing, teaching tax collectors and sinners, receiving them, and eating with them. Okay, that's their problem. Rabbis of that day didn't do that, and so he's bringing disgrace on the rabbinic uh, tradition. Jesus himself was a well-known rabbi and somewhat popular by that time in his life. Had no problem teaching, receiving, and eating with tax collectors and sinners and drunkards and, yes, the P word there, loose living people. So that's the first thing. We got religious leaders have a problem with our Lord. But notice also in verses 4 and 5 and 8 and 9 and 24 and 32. Each story, there are three sections to this, remember, what man among you? Uh, there's the man, there's the woman, and there's the father. Okay? Those are the three parts of the one parable. Each of those stories has something lost than found. Um, matter of fact, there's a title of a book. Is it lost than, than found? I don't think so. Hold on. There it is. Finding the Lost. It's based on Luke 15, Finding the Lost. So this scholar wrote an entire book on Luke 15, and he encapsulates the teaching of Luke 15 in these words, Finding the Lost. Each one of these little vignettes, these parts, uh, has something lost and then found. In verses 4 and 5, Verse four and five, verses four and five has a lost sheep which was found by a good shepherd. 
1589, we have a lost coin, which was found by a good woman. And Luke 15, 24, and 32 has a lost young man who was found by, I'll call him, a good father. But also, notice that in each story, someone finds that which was lost. Someone finds that which was lost. 15, 4 through 6 assumes that a shepherd finds his lost sheep. 15, 8, 9 has a woman finding her lost coin. 15, 7 through 20 and 24 and 32 has a father finding his lost son. Each one of them has that similar thing. Notice also that in each story, the words one sinner who repents are either stated very clearly or illustrated. Here's verse 15.7. It's, uh, you have to turn there first. One sinner who repents. I say to you, verse 7, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then verses 17 through 19 doesn't say it explicitly, but it does illustrate one sinner who repents. But when he came to himself, I I think I've said this before. I remember hearing R.C. Sproul on this. When he came to himself, when he was you can hear Sproul, regenerated. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So there's, there's a repentant individual. It doesn't say one sinner who repents, but it illustrates a sinner who's repenting. And then notice how the first two stories end happily. Uh, The man, the shepherd, finds the lost sheep. The woman finds the lost coin. But the third story uh, really doesn't have a conclusion. Look at verses 31 and 32. And he came to him, son, you are always with me. This is the older son. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Stop. It doesn't say, and the older son repented of his wickedness. It doesn't say that. His story ends actually on a bitter note. You know who the you know the Pharisees and scribes are like. But notice finally that though the Pharisees and scribes had a problem with what Jesus was doing, the point of the passage is not to deny what they said. Right? This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's their complaint, that's their murmuring, that's their grumbling. But the passage does not deny this at all whatsoever. In the words of J.C. Ryle, the thing which they found fault with was the very thing he came on earth to do, and a thing of which he was not ashamed. 
I, he's right. The thing which they found fault with was the very thing he came on earth to do. In other words, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save his people from their sins, Matthew 121. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. Finding the lost. Who's doing the finding in our passage? Jesus is doing the finding, and he uses three little vignettes, peeks into um, these, these, uh, these allegories. You know what an allegory is? It is a type of literature that uses a lot of metaphors to teach you another thing by the things it's saying. That's all parables, this parable is. It's, it's, an, it's an allegory. So I'm going to interpret it allegorical, allegorically because it is of that genre. That didn't mean anything to you. Don't worry about it. Here's what Benjamin Keach, a 17th century forebearer of ours, said. He's a uh, particular Baptist in England. He said, the design of our Savior in speaking of this parable, I like how he put that, this parable singular, is to show whereof he came into this world, which was to seek such that were lost, unquote. So, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but let me say this in case you haven't. The Son of God took upon himself a whole human nature, body, and soul, that he might seek and save sinners. You ever heard that before? Like every week, several times. What is Luke 15 all about? It's about Jesus, the seeker and savior of the lost. But in, in that, that's, I think, you know, you want to reduce the parable of Luke 15 to one word, Jesus, okay. Uh, but Jesus teaches this, this point, that he came to find the lost, and he's, still in the business of doing that, while rebuking the Pharisees and scribes for their, their bad attitudes and their terrible ecclesiology. They, they were so self-centered, they weren't shepherding the sheep. And so what we're going to find is that if you have the right Old Testament feeding your mind here, some things jump out at you and you want to go like, ooh, why didn't they like punch him? If I was there and I was a Pharisee or a scribe, I wouldn't have liked that because he's connecting us with the bad shepherds, shepherds that were rebuked by the Lord through the words of the prophet in at least three passages, which we'll get to next week. Uh, Psalm 23, Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, if you want to read ahead. This is interesting, this parable. I used a used a no-no word, allegory, uh, a type of literature that uses a lot of metaphors to teach something by the metaphorical words, to teach something other than what the words mean literally. The Bible does that in many places. The Good Samaritan, for instance. Who is the Good Samaritan? It's the guy, it's the Boy Scout that walks the old lady across the street. 
Now, in our day, the Good Samaritan is a parable that teaches Christians they ought to love their neighbor. Now, should Christians love their neighbors? Obviously. Does that mean the Good Samaritan's about us? Could it be about maybe, thank you, Sean. Oh, the, the old guys, almost to a man, saw in the Good Samaritan the Lord saving sinners. Hmm. Luke 15 is very clear. I think this is all about finding the lost. Shepherds find their lost sheep. Shepherds tend to their found sheep. And uh, when one goes out, they chase after him. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven, that's his language, to assume our nature, duties, and liabilities and bring us to God. And hopefully we'll see this more and more in Luke 15. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for just a a brief overview of the entire chapter, uh, Luke 15. Thank you for it. Help us to learn from it, to love our Savior more, to hate religious uh, charlatans and hypocrisy more. Um, Please help us. And now bless as we partake of the supper together. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.